0: Nothing about this is luck, but it's ambition. nothing gets in our way, we on a clear mission We making plans, we just trying to lift society, working so hard that we growing notoriety And we born with the drive, yeah it's inside of me. Eric, Mark and James, we giving game, they inspiring Adam clear with the vision, it's so deployable You do what you want when you live in life, Unemployable
1: What is up everybody, welcome to Unemployable We are ready to rock and roll for another week of uh banter and uh, diving into entrepreneurship uh i just want to welcome
0: everybody to start with how are you james what's oh, going on well thanks well no, very well indeed um looking forward to pulling this one apart um i think it'll be uh as good as the one we, we dropped uh well, dropping today tuesday, today or tuesday last week when, when this one drops so uh it's gonna be another clanger so plenty of uh, plenty of meat in the bone to uh to talk about
1: yes yeah, is gonna be a really exciting one eric how you doing buddy
2: very good very good just came off a weekend with the uh, kiddos wife went on a retreat so it was daddy daycare for four days so got my brain back (laughs) ready to rock and we have with
1: us andrew hermes is the best way to pronounce that your french white says hermes but hermes andrew is uh from brisbane welcome to the studio how you doing
3: yeah good good to be here thanks for having me
1: (laughs) guys you are absolutely going to love today's podcast andrew has an incredible story, which I might just throw to you quickly to give us the headline numbers, Andrew, because all of us this this morning before we rolling tape, were just blown away by the story. But for the listeners at home, what is the headline numbers of your story and headline background?
3: Yep, so um, two and a half years ago, I was still working as an accountant full time. Um, And today we've got uh, six online stores um, doing 15 million revenue and with about 30% margins.
1: Holy smokes. from an accountant two and a half years ago to $15 million a year at 30% margins, which is about five million bucks a year, give or take in earnings. Um, If you're sitting in a cubicle somewhere right now or heading to one as an accountant or a lawyer or actually anything, that should get your attention. What is that, Eric, in terms of, you're the numbers guy, it's gone from, uh, what does an accountant make these days, Andrew?
3: Oh, I was on low hundreds.
1: Low hundreds. So, and you've gone from low hundreds to mid-millions um, in, in uh, income, which is absolutely phenomenal. Congratulations.
3: Thank you.
1: Yeah, we're gonna dive into that story today, guys, uh, and pull it apart. It's six different brands. We're only gonna really dive into one of them because we just haven't got time to dive into all of them. Um, but there's so much to unpack here about, you know, Andrew's story and how he did it with what he calls the trifecta of stress, which is having a kid, covid and a whole bunch of other stuff going on when you did all of this was it your first kid
3: just out of interest it was yeah, she yeah. was six months old when we when we got going in the start of in the middle of covid
1: in the middle of covid six month old at your feet and you launched this thing i mean there's not many companies eric you know you've got a big e business you know a nine-figure business but how many do you reckon go from zero to 15 million in under three years
2: that's what intrigued me so much about you like that's unbelievable numbers like going from a hundred thousand to five million, like you 50 times your income yep. in two and a half years. That's ridiculous. There's not many people
0: doing that. Just for context, were you working for an accountancy firm? Or were you working for accountancy on your, on your own behalf?
3: Uh, I was in and out. I started in a firm, I worked in government um, and then I ended up working for schools. But working for government was great because it showed you how not to run a business.
0: So <laughs> needless to say halfway through COVID that accountancy practice didn't get much of your attention by the sounds <laughs> yeah, of it. No, but yeah, no, it
3: was, it was good because I had a bit of free time, a bit yeah. of flexibility working from home to sort of um, get stuck into it.
1: All right. Good stuff. This is going to be great to unpack. Before we dive in, what we wanted to talk about quickly was this update from OpenAI. I think this has got implications for um, entrepreneurs everywhere around the world. And this is truly remarkable. We did a pod on AI a few weeks back with Chris Giong and he was talking about the, um, the evolution of OpenAI and, and the competitors such as Bard and so on. And we've had text to text. So you go to OpenAI, ChatGPT, you type in what you're looking for and it gives you an answer. Then we've had text to image with the DALI plugins and so on, you can type in, I want a photo of this and it creates the image and that's getting better and better and better. Um, and there's text to code where you can say, build me a website that does this and it creates the code. That was mind blowing enough but now, uh, this uh, past week, the big story across the planet right now in this space is the release of Sora, which is text to video. And uh, it's not just sketchy, random video. This is cinematic quality video uh, that you can type in a prompt and it generates video. So rather than us uh, trying to explain that, uh, we've, we've got it up here on the, on the screen. We might just quickly throw to that. And we're gonna bring Greg in on this, who's our producer and, um, uh, of the show here. Um, you can see here the website, and uh, here are some of the video examples. And uh, we might play, like that first one says, uh, let's, let's just watch this, this is from a prompt uh, of a woman uh, walks downtown Tokyo, etc. I can't read that from here, but let's play the video. This is completely artificial, made from a prompt. Look at that, isn't that extraordinary? Yeah, this it's-
0: is insane. And also, just um, for the viewers when they get this, uh, the final cut, is have a look at this is probably the most, the the longest of the prompts of the 10 10 examples, 10 or 15 examples. They're not that complex. So you don't have to be a prompt wizard now to get output like this. So, you know, the technology from the prompt space is certainly um, getting much, much better.
4: Look at that close up. Like, that is indiscernible from real footage. I am mind blown because I played around with these, you know, text to video generators, AI generators, and it's always like a bit like a fever dream, like it's a bit janky. There's extra fingers and like weird stuff. Like this. This is mind-blowing. Like look at this. Yeah, look at this one of the Look at the fur and the hair on them. It's like I I don't know. Mind could, you, Greg, so cuz you're closer to the screen. Yeah, the prompt. Yeah, really yeah prompt. so the prompt for this one is several giant woolly mammoths approach treading through a snowy meadow. Their long woolly, woolly fur Lightly blows in the wind as they walk snow-covered trees and dramatic snow
1: Yeah, isn't that insane? I mean look like at
4: that Absolutely insane.
1: Let's look at the next one. Yep. And what's the prompt for this great?
4: Uh, prompt for this a movie trailer featuring the adventures of 30 year old spacemen wearing a red wool knitted Motorcycle helmet blue skies salt desert cinematic style shot on 35 millimeter film with vivid colors <laughs> uh, This is absolutely insane. I mean, the, the stock footage market is is done <laughs> like,
1: how do you feel greg as a videographer and a person in this space watching this hey i mean
4: it's a double-edged sword for sure um I mean, the tech head in me is like, this software is amazing uh, and I can't wait to get my hands on it and start generating stuff and playing around with it. Uh, it's also going to make just like certain projects just so much easier when you can go and generate footage for like really niche use cases. You don't need to go out and film it. Amazing. Uh, but then the videographer in me is like, well, damn, man. I mean, <laughs> uh, freelancers are going to take a massive blow. Like I said, the stock footage market gone. Um, and, you know, uh, content creators and freelancers are going to take a massive blow as well because uh, companies can just start generating their own really high quality footage themselves with no need for a middleman so yeah we'll see pandora's box has definitely been opened
1: <laughs> let's have a look at this one with a little fairy monster with the horns from um, you know which is a couple on from that one. Oh, in the same row yeah same row just a couple along yeah, yeah. um and, and this might give you a glimpse into the future that looks like real drone footage like Look at the waves. Like the, 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 it's, it's incredible. It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Absolutely insane. I mean, this is like the future of Pixar right here. Like, <laughs> you know, I was watching, just just bringing uh, bringing it back now. I mean, I was watching a, uh, a podcast on this, a guy called David Freeberg from the All In Pod, who is um, sort of affectionately referred to as the Sultan of Science. So he's a guy that understands the actual physics and engineering of coding software that the industry like Pixar um, has used up till this point. And he said it took 10 years to uh, code uh, the the science behind hair movement, just the movement of hair, like when you watch, uh, what's that kid's thing with a big hairy guy? You know, that uh, anyway, Monsters no, Age or any of, any of them. Yeah, Monsters Inc. That's what I'm thinking of. Just getting that right was 10 years. What was mind blowing about this open eye AI update, he said they have, that the AI has literally discovered a different way like a hack to code like that that they haven't worked out outside of the AI the AI has actually figured out how to do this they're using some sort of process that hitherto has not existed that's absolutely mind-blowing to me What are are your thoughts on this? Anybody got some thoughts on how this is gonna impact business for like small business people watching this?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously for marketing, promotional videos, training, education, um, it's gonna completely change that sector. you know, create an SOP, if you're talking about, you know, for, for, for an educational part, medical training, um, urban planning and architecture, sports training, um, if you want to reenact roles and with, with a, uh, like a AFL team, um, there's so many use cases for it. You know, military stuff. Um, you think about the military putting this stuff into play and uh, real life, real life and reenactments and whatnot. So, look, the use cases are endless, I think, uh, specifically uh, for small business. You know, my, my mind's just starting to to Fizzle over at the moment with, the, with AI in general, let alone seeing this come along. So, I just wonder how they're going to monetize it. Surely, it's not just going
2: to be a subscription, you know, base model. I wonder if
0: it seems o- too powerful for yeah, that.
2: Yeah, I wonder if, like, you know, OpenAI and the owners of OpenAI, you know, next thing you're going to create oh, their own videos and be There's video be a million producers, ways. right? Yeah, a
1: million ways. If you want to check it out, the link is openai.com forward slash Sora S O R A. Uh, go check it out. I think it's only open right now to filmmakers and so on. Yep. But I mean, there's there's so many implications here, like with deep fakes, you know, people are go, oh my God, imagine the amount of deep fakes that are going to be yeah, out that's, there. Yeah,
4: that's, that's a whole nother topic. I mean, look at this one, for example, this guy looks I, like I was just sitting here with my face to the screen. This guy looks indiscernible from a real person. And it's look at how basic the problem is. A young man in his 20s sitting on a piece of cloud in the sky reading a book. That's it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. But I mean, as far as deepfakes go, I think it's going to have the inverse reaction. People are worried about, oh, no, everybody's going to deepfake. Well, it's going to be so easy. Like, yeah, that wasn't me. Like, yeah, this, right. this is like Jeffrey Epstein's best case scenario. Like, no, no, that shit wasn't me, bro.
0: So <laughs> like, you can get away with anything now. Unfortunately, he had about 150 uh, positive IDs on him, so he, he wasn't wriggling out of <laughs> Just anything. Just take a leaf out of Donald's book. Deny, deny, deny. Right? Yeah. Just never
1: admit. Right? Then, right. then launch your own set of shoes. Look, we could go on and on about this, but if you are in small business um, and you are um, not paying attention to AI yet, you really need to be and uh, because the implications for cost savings is one thing, efficiencies is one thing, but what's gonna happen here is there are gonna be small businesses that actually get onto this and harness this and they're gonna quickly close the gap between themselves and the big businesses and the big businesses that are slow to iterate and slow to ingest this new technology are going to lose their advantage. So, if you are a young person or a hungry person or a competitive person right now that wants to take market share, I don't think I'm alone on this panel in saying pay attention to AI um, and uh, and uh, you know and, and get yourself across this because even for our guest today, Andrew, I mean, in your business. Imagine being able to create like for your um, stroller business, for example, upload into, like you can already do this in Dali, upload an image of your product and say, make this product with this uh, videos. Imagine the amount of creative that you can put out onto socials and the other places that you advertise, which we'll dive into. Do you see possibilities for that? Oh, for-
3: absolutely. Yeah. We spend a fortune on video, you know, people making videos content for us, this is yeah incredible.
1: UGC content, yeah. user-generated content, yeah. Well, you don't need the, to negotiate with the influencers yeah. anymore and have somebody reaching out to them and doing all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. you can put them in any setting that you want.
0: You're right about UGC, I mean, unless you're a Kardashian or a, a Conor McGregor, a lot, we used to generate a lot of UGC for our uh, Insta um, Genius um, and the ball ache it was to actually get the people to do the actual promo properly. It was a pain in the ass. But this now you could have 50 different takes on it with 50 different people in 50 different um, uh, ethnicities, countries, colours, black, white, whatever um, and create all that in under an hour. Yes. With none of the ball breaking work dealing with humans. Yeah.
1: And for those who don't know what UGC is, it's user generated content. So brand owners like Andrew, one of the brands is a, a stroller brand. So he's selling to mums and new mums and new dads. Um, it's where you would go out to influencers who are, you know, have audiences of those um, or just simply would fit that mould to create content. Andrew would send them a stroller, they would make the videos to get to keep the stroller and maybe get some money. So that's what UGC is. I see huge implications uh, for that market as well as creating. And I still think, guys, looking at this, uh, this concern that it's going to replace humans, I still think that, like... It's always been the case in e-commerce, for example, that creativity still wins. Like if you look at Apple, they won through innovation. It's those who can look at a market, find a way to innovate and find some blue space there. It's gonna be the same here. There are gonna be some people who are genius in the way they think about, it's that, and I keep saying it over and over and over, creativity is going to become the rare resource. Like, um, you know, programmatic stuff Stuff that's just uh, math is going to be wiped out, you know. It's going to be creativity that is the unique difference. Yeah,
4: 100%.
1: Greg, thanks for chiming in, mate. We appreciate you. Nice to have you here and uh, on the pod with us. Add a little bit of, uh, uh, what's the word? Youth and vigor. <laughs> and style and cool factor. Uh, None of us are quite as cool as You're Greg. too kind, so yeah. too kind. <laughs> All right, so let's turn our attention to this remarkable story. And I, I really want to firstly recognize you, Andrew, for coming in, because I know this is not your wheelhouse. Um, you know, you're, you were an accountant two and a half years ago. You now find yourself strapped to a rocket that's going really well. And now you're sitting in this studio with bright lights. It's nerve wracking, I get it. So on behalf of all the entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs and the mums and dads that have six month olds at their feet, who are buried in bills, who are not quite making ends meet, um, I just wanna genuinely say thank you because it's so much easier to just not come on a podcast and so much easier not to literally put yourself in the spotlight and just to go about your business. Why did you actually decide to come on the podcast? Like, what made you wanna do that? What initiated this contact?
3: Um, I was feeling burnt out really, and I still am, um, yep. in the last you know few months. And I reached out to you, Adam, um, actually looking for some sort of a business partner or employee and asking for your advice in, you know, which direction you think I should go. Um, so, that's why I've ended up here.
1: So, I love that, right? Very simple. And and for people right now sitting at home who are feeling alone, it is possible, right? And, and a lot of times people sit there thinking they're an island uh, or one of the challenges, I don't know whether you've dealt with this, maybe you could comment on it, but... Someone like you, who's obviously intelligent, you're successful for all accounts. Um, did you feel compounded with your anxiety that you've got no right to feel anxious because everything's so great? Did yeah. that make it harder?
3: It does. Yeah. Sometimes I have to sit back and think. Well, everything's going really great. I've got nothing to worry about, um, and it does make it harder because you think, "What's wrong with me? Why am I? Why am I feeling this way? I, I'm so lucky." When I really think about it, but yeah. You, um,
1: And you feel guilty for feeling bad, right? You do, yeah, yeah. Mm. So if that's you at the moment, with or without three or four or $5 million of profit, you might have no profit. You might actually be in negative. The lesson remains that if this is reaching you today at that point in your life, reach out to somebody um, because it is very hard out there, no matter where you are on the strata of success, where Andrew is, which is super high level, or whether you're just struggling with family, especially you men listening to this, reach out, whether it's to a stranger that you trust on Instagram who is producing content that you feel is a genuine person, or whether it's a mate or whatever, because I've seen it too often where even successful people like Andrew suffer in silence, and it's a no-win road. Everyone on this panel has suffered from anxiety. Um, in fact, last week, I, I um, was in bed for two days. Um, As you guys know, I missed our student event. But during the week, I was actually feeling borderline depressed, even as recently as a week ago. Um, So it's something that we all go through. So I just want to acknowledge that up front and to say thank you, because it is very real. And I know this message is gonna change a lot of people's lives in terms of this positive story. But I hope you also get that layered story in this one that um, you're not alone out there. So um, tell us, Andrew, about where this began. You, you've had no mentorship. You weren't a student of mine prior to this. We hadn't met. You didn't buy my course. You, did, in fact, didn't buy any course. <laughs> you just decided that you wanted to get into e-comm. So what was the moment that you said, you know what? I'm going to start something. Um, what caused that to happen? And how did you arrive at the idea to start your first thing?
3: Yep. So my wife will be stoked to hear that it was it was actually her idea that's how we how we got here yeah um but I guess a bit of background I was always from a young age obsessed with finance and money but I never really knew what I wanted to do I thought I'd always be just an employee and just sort of climbing the corporate ladder um and I was an accountant for 10 years roughly and it was actually my wife COVID had just started we just had a our first baby who was probably Four or five months old at the time of this idea and my wife said hey look I want to start a business she was on maternity leave and probably not going to go back to work um, and she said I want to sell reusable nappies online and I just thought what are you talking about I don't we, we don't know anything about selling online starting a business buying products I just thought this is crazy but um, COVID sort of gave us that opportunity to have a bit of time working from home It was completely stuck in our home. We were in Victoria, which was, you know, extremely locked down. So we were just looking for something to do, I suppose.
1: And so that was it, you just thought, and what was the the thing about the reusable nappies? Was it that she was uh, a a green sort of advocate and did it align with her values? Is that what it was?
3: Yeah, I think so. And it was sort of, you know, sustainability, it's a big thing. Um, So it it just felt like that's where she wanted to start. so, yeah, as you said, I didn't have a mentor. I sort of just, I did have an accounting degree and I'm a CPA qualified accountant. So I've done a lot of study in finance space. So I had that down pat, um, but I just, I sort of Googled, how do you sell products online? How do you start a website?
1: Yeah, I love this because look, these days, if you are ignorant today, it's your choice about almost anything, right? And I would say this before ChatGPT came along, but you can actually be self-taught, which is amazing. The big thing that has all of our jaws on the floor is not just the speed that you got to 15 million, but the fact that you're doing it at a 30% pre-tax profit. That is amazing. And that's the accountant in you, I'm guessing, because very few people have a 30% margin these days. That's really healthy. So well done on that. So you started Googling and what happened? How, How did you go from google so what did you google did you type in supplier reusable nappy
3: yeah yeah i would have and how to get products from china you know where else can i get products Uh, how to build a website just i had no idea i was completely complete rookie
1: wow i can't believe my ads missed you was
2: there was there any particular websites or youtube channels that gave you more value than others
3: i don't recall i think i just looked at lots of I mean, there's so much free content on YouTube, and it's it's great. Some people go into almost too much detail. Like, people really spell it out, how to how to do it, yeah. If, so if you if you don't know,
1: YouTube. So this first product, right, and we won't dive into them much. You've, you've revealed this one part. We're going to focus just on the one. But this first product of reusable nappies. Where did you source them from?
3: Yeah. So I thought, well, if I'm going to learn how to do this, I'm not just going to get reusable nappies. I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to invest my time in this, I'm going to see what else is out there. So I took a bit of a shotgun approach and I think I picked probably 20 SKUs at the time. I didn't know what a SKU was, 20 different products at the time. Um, And the way I picked them was uh, I'd previously been a seller on eBay. when I was 12 years old or something. I sort of dabbled selling random things. So I had a seller account on eBay and they have a free research tool. So you can type in whatever you like, like dog, and it'll tell you last 30 days, here's the items that sold with that keyword um, in what quantities for how much how many sellers, it's all just on eBay. So I sort of used that as a bit of a tool to just gather the data, see what we're selling. And that's free? That's free, or it, it's with your seller account which okay. might be a hundred bucks a year, I'm not sure what that costs. Okay,
1: so you went in there, you went into eBay, looked at what we're selling, and made your decisions based on
3: data. Yeah, I'm super analytical, data-driven sort of, yeah. How so, accountant of you, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very much. And also it's I correct. used myself as a consumer, I looked at my purchase history, yeah. To give myself ideas on what to search. And I thought, well, if I'm buying this, other people are buying this. And then searched related things. Because you just had this new baby, right? You're right, yeah.
1: And so, so you, 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 you picked these SKUs. And then how did you find suppliers for the SKUs?
3: Yeah, so um, I've just used Alibaba. That's just through what I found through my Google search. Um, and just talked to lots of suppliers. Um <laughs> I just didn't know. I didn't know whether they were legitimate, whether Alibaba was legitimate. I didn't know anything. So I just took a, uh, I think I ordered maybe five or six quantity, like I found suppliers that would have a really low MOQ, minimum order quantity, and I probably bought five or six items, you know, five or six of each different item um, to see what would happen. And um, I'm pretty impatient, so I had them all shipped by FedEx or DHL at huge cost knowing that I wouldn't make money on these sales, just to see if it would work. So you ordered five or six of them,
1: put them onto eBay? That's right, yeah. Just stuck them on eBay, not making any margin on them because of the expense of the shipping costs and everything, but you just wanted to see whether people would buy them. Yep. This is, Guys, this is gold, because when we were teaching Amazon at scale, um, we would find that students would get so caught up in picking a product and generating a logo and the boxing and what they were passionate about, that they would literally do their own head in and not actually go live with anything. And we created a program that um, was, you couldn't buy more than 100 units and you had to go live in 30 days. And it got them out of their head and into action. And by doing that, you learn all the plumbing, which is where do you find a product? How do you export it? What are all the export import things you have to overcome? And then you went live and you just sold them not worrying about whether there was profit there initially but just whether there was a customer on the other side that's exactly. basically it exactly
3: and i worked out my margins based on you know what my cogs would be if i bought a thousand or a hundred instead of and, and if i put them on a, at sea instead of fedex so how so much
1: like, do you reckon you spent just at the very beginning to, to do all that i'd be surprised if it was two thousand dollars
3: For that first order.
0: And of those 20 products that you picked, were they all in the the baby niche?
3: No, complete random, like, cross-section of, you know, 10 different markets. There was camping stoves. There was, you know, replacement parts for common appliances. There was, you know complete
0: random stuff so we, let's pull in that thread for a sec so out of the, the 20 products you picked you got six or so of each um ebay only so i'm assuming at that point in time you're not going into full branding because you're trying to test them to start with so there's random pictures you probably stole from ellie barber as well that's right well yeah nothing yeah, Ali, was customized so, so there's no expense going into marketing whatnot out of the 20 products across the different verticals how many were winners and that you push forward with and how many did you, did you burn
3: uh most of them we kept selling for for quite a while they they all sort of did well maybe let's say 70% of them continue to sell but now we probably sell four or five of them
0: four or five and so just for for the um people listening as well what sort of price points were they from I mean you've got a margin there to run ads and etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera. were they from and to
3: yeah so so back then I was choosing products that I could ease because I was shipping these myself I was choosing spot products that were small that were relatively cheap I, I guess they were um you know range from a few dollars to twenty dollars
0: each yeah, because it's hard to pack thirty percent into a ten dollar product. Yeah, so yeah. it's sort of going with it with that the. the, the but yeah, but with
3: eBay, or back then, eBay's not my main source anymore. Obviously, no. it was just a bit of a testing ground. But um, you know, there's no advertising costs if you don't want. So it's. You, there's can no really website
1: put... to build. Yes, yeah. you just basically put the
3: listing up and then ship it if it gets sold. And if you can sell on Gumtree or Facebook Marketplace, you can sell on eBay. It's there's, there's almost no rules. It's very simple. Yeah,
1: isn't it? I mean, I love this because you just sent... I'm working as an accountant, I know nothing about this, I'm just gonna spend a grand or two, stick them up on eBay. But you learn so much from just getting onto eBay and getting a customer to pay you because you've had to figure out what to sell, how to source it, how to import it, how to create the eBay listing, how, how to do a shipping label and put it on the box. All of that has to be done. And and that's
0: and then great. I'm sure we'll get to that point in a minute. But um, of those products that did sell through, did they from that initial test are they the basis for the six brand six um, stores you've got now? Or uh, two three of them are
3: yeah. So half of my brands are based on that shotgun approach. And did yeah. you
0: build them all sim- Let me guess simultaneously as well. Yeah, so just to make it a bit more difficult. I did. So yeah. two of
3: the websites I built quite quickly after that, maybe within three months of of that eBay listing. Got it. Uh, and then one a few months later. Yep. And are you on Shopify with your websites or? I am now. I started somewhere else, yep. um, which was a mistake, I think, uh, for, for direct to consumer products and then moved to Shopify. Hmm. We'll dive yeah. into that in a minute.
2: Now, you got a comment here from before that you deliberately didn't choose
3: products you were passionate about, why? I sort of, um, I'm not passionate about, I'm passionate about making money. So I, d- I wasn't passionate about anything in particular. Um, but I also think if you're passionate about dogs, So are, you know, 10 million other Australians. So um, I I like picking products that are a bit, you know, like a a toilet, for example, I think it's a great one, um, because people aren't passionate about, apart from you, Adam, no no one else is passionate about. I like long
1: romantic walks to the bank.
2: (laughs) 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 Now, your your sales, um, are they based mainly in Australia, or are they in the US as well?
3: Yeah, 99%. There's a tiny bit of New Zealand, a tiny bit of elsewhere, but yeah, 99% Australia. So 15 million dollars of rev, mainly in Australia, yeah. and 30% net margins.
0: Yeah. D- just just to round that out, just for one last little bit uh, uh, before we get on. of the six websites now, how many SKUs do you have now in the stable across all six?
3: There's only around uh, 100, I'd say. Is a good guess, 120.
0: 120 SKUs across all of them. Yep. Yeah.
3: Yep. Some of them. One of the websites has one SKU. So Yeah. Yep.
0: And and you've got here that you you don't use um, FBA. Um, or other third-party logistics, you do. You got your own warehousing, pick pack and ship the whole shebang. Yep, and still maintain a thirty percent margin. Yep, well done.
1: <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your business today, just in terms of uh, infrastructure uh, size. Uh, like, you've got a warehouse. What I think you said here is it just one warehouse, or you got three warehouses now?
3: We've moved. We 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 started in the back bedroom. Yep, and then we shifted into the garage. Then we outgrew that. And then we at least a small warehouse um, and then when we grew out of that you know that's happened every year for the last three years so we've, we're in our fourth warehouse now we've only got one but it's we just get keep getting a bigger warehouse
1: yeah if you can send us some photos after the pod we'll throw them on the on the YouTube here so that people can see that um, evolution because it's 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 always awesome I've got photos myself of packing boxes as, as early days yeah and then where you are today how big is your warehouse today roughly do you, do you know in square meters are you not sure
3: it's about 400 square metres or 350 square metres. Oh, that's a decent size. Yep. We get about 400, 500 pallets in it. Yep. And um, how many staff do you have domestically and do you have any offshore contractors working for you? I use a bit of um, Fiverr or Upwork for for you know IT work and bits and pieces. Um, and then there's eight employees in Australia uh, in customer service and pickpacking. And I've got a warehouse manager. There's uh, four full-time equivalent, four and a half full-time equivalent. (laughs) That's it? Come on, man. (laughs) 15 million with eight employees. Yeah, yeah. And not all full-time. Yeah, more yeah,
0: that's right. What's, what are those, what's that breakdown? Earnings, 3 million earnings per, earnings per, per staff member. mix. Three million per head. I, I, I don't want million. to
2: discuss those numbers because I'm feeling yeah. sick to my stomach. right now <laughs> You said you want a business partner, right? That's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Shotgun. You might have wow. found one over here. That's amazing. That's, that's unbelievable. Honestly, that that for anyone listening to this, that's that's not nor that's not the norm. Yeah. Right. Um it's over three you,
1: million per employee yeah, in revenue. That, that is, that yeah, that is yeah, yeah. So where so today your business, where is the um so you've you've got an e com site on Shopify for these six brands and we're gonna show just one of the brands um in a moment. Um so you've got these six websites that you run, they're all Shopify stores. How are you generating traffic? Like where does the traffic to the websites come from and who's running the traffic for you?
3: Yep. So I, when I start a website, I do the ads myself okay. for, for the first few months and that's on Meta, so Facebook and Instagram and Google ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not very good at it, but I think if I can make it work, then the website will work. So I, I dabble, I do it myself. And after a month or two of success, I hand it on to a marketing agency who, who handles my ads for the other the other brands. Do you have one agency across all the brands? I do at the moment. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're in Australia? They are in Melbourne. Yep. In Melbourne. Okay. Yep. So you start off doing it. How important do you think that is actually understanding and knowing how the meta platform works yep. and Google is, well. you said Google, right? Yep. do you do YouTube or just Google PPC? YouTube as well. Yep. YouTube pre-roll type ads. Yep. Okay. PPC. So people, and so you've got Google shopping and yep. uh, performance max and all of that. Yep. Okay. So how important do you think it is to know that yourself before, at least to a basic level?
3: Yeah, I think it's super important. I, um, I enjoyed it as well when I was doing it. I think it's just great to be across it. it. And when you talk to your, I have a monthly meeting with the with the guys, and they're talking about CPA and you know all the all the different acronyms. You got to know, you got to know your stuff. They can't really, bullshit you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. How did you learn that? Let me yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> free Google search. How do you run? <laughs> YouTube. Ads? Yeah. Yep.
1: So you literally learned it all. On I I remember hearing Simon Beard say this, um, who's built Culture Kings, and Simon said that you absolutely have to run the ads yourself and manage them yourself at yep. some point, time
0: understand. But just to that point, then, it's sort of, it's calling out the majority of the people there that are um, on the fence. Oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. You can, you and you've learned every single thing free on YouTube. There's no excuse.
1: Well, at, what, at what point, Andrew, did you segue from an accountant to going, all right, I've got to do this full time? Because that must have been... Insane, going. I mean, growing that fast in two and a half years, with a six-month-old at your feet and a job, you know, like and a, and a wife and a, you know you're fit, so you're keeping your body in in check as well. Thank you. At one point, um, at one point did you go? You know, I got to change. And what was it like going through the eye of the needle there with that transition?
3: I, um, I'm I'm pretty. I don't want to say risk averse. I waited too long. I kept my job longer than I should have. I think um, after 12 months of doing both, uh, I'd more than replaced my income and I should have cut it away. But I hung on for another six months uh, and I was probably doing a bad job of, you know, my job and and the business. And there was a little bit of... When I told my parents I was going to leave my job, my good job to sell junk on eBay, they were obviously, you you know, pump your brakes. So they probably you know, maybe stay a little bit longer than I should have. So you were there for 18 months or 12 months? It was probably around 18 months of, um, yeah, doing both. And at time. what
1: point, and how big was the business at that point?
3: We would have been, I think we were probably around 3 million revenue by the time I stopped. Right. So significantly bigger than my salary. <laughs>
1: three, 3 million revenue at 30% here, a million bucks a year before you. And look, this is... This is really fascinating because as we grow up in Australia, right? We've all got parents, and be an accountant, and you got your degree, and you got a good job. That shit goes deep, right? Like, yep. And you're going, I'm going to make myself unemployable and just work for myself. Can you ever imagine going back now?
3: Oh, I'm so happy. When I was driving here, watching the traffic go to Brisbane, banked up, I was like, wow, I'm so happy. I'm, you know, wearing not wearing a button-up shirt, and I'm, yeah, not in that traffic every day. It's there's nothing better. Yeah, you're on on your way to
2: a podcast telling. Telling the world how you're on four yeah. and a half million to five yeah. million dollars now, not, you know, a hundred yeah. grand a year. Now, yeah. I want to I wanna get into some of the numbers early on, if possible. So yep. how much money, I know you mentioned 2,000 to start, but how much money up front to, for the first six months, as yeah. an example, did so, you need to get this business to yeah. where so it is
3: today? Yeah, so we... It was, it was bad timing for us. We had just bought a property, so we didn't have a lot of cash at the time. Um, I think I had about 40000 after that initial, you know, successful test. And I thought, I'm going to go all in. And, and you wouldn't have to. Like, if you didn't have that much, it wouldn't be a barrier. You'd just have to pick less products. If, if Because I picked 20 products and I wanted, you know, large quantities, um, I put in 40. And by the time that stuff was arriving, I realised, hey, I've got to... Uh, you know start ordering the next lot because by the time it arrives i would have sold out on this stuff so i so i actually put my hand out to my my brother my uncle my parents and i said hey can i'm I'm onto something here can i borrow some more and i got another 40 so i was 80 in you so, know so the 40 the initial 40 was savings yep
2: yep, yep. and then you borrowed another 40 yep so you're in 80 what did that what did that 80 turn into
3: well 15 million a year now but no no but yeah. like
2: at that time yep. at that time so you've got uh, 80 invested
3: Yep. you're still working full-time where did that 80 I think within that sort of six-month period which was the first part financial year we did about 300,000 300,000 yep. out of that 300,000 when did you repay back really quick yeah the 40 from your brother and dad and... yeah within within six months it was paid back yeah. and and that's part of the reason I kept my job as well because I was putting all of the profits back into the business. That's what I want to get to, try to, right? new products and also my whole tax, whole salary as well back into the business. It was all going back. And so your wife was working too or not? She was looking after the little one. She was not working. She, yep, she was looking after the, the yep. baby at the time.
2: Yep. When did you first pull money
3: out of the business? Uh, we pulled a, a tax effective salary, so 45,000 or whatever it was to, to be tax effective after I left my job. Yep. But that all went straight back into the business. So we didn't really pull anything out. Um probably within the last eighteen months I've, you know, bought nice things.
2: Within the last eighteen months you have. So for the first year or so?
3: Well, the business is running before I left work. So two and a half years ago I left my job. So the business is almost four years old. Three and a okay. half years uh, yeah, old. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. I understand. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And um all right. So, have you had any outside funding since then, or has it just been the compounding of capital? Just compounding. Yeah. That's it. No debt. No inventory finance. Nothing.
3: No, but it's it's funny because I, I didn't know about inventory inventory financing until I watched this podcast, and now I'm in touch with you. You don't know this, but I'm in touch with your banker and oh, you with, with Rudy and yeah, the team. Yep.
1: Yeah, they're great. It'll change your business. Yeah. Uh,
3: especially, especially with does those joke. margins. Yeah. Dad does joke that he wishes he you know took equity instead of giving me that loan back uh... <laughs> then. Well,
1: I bet he does, but yeah. I bet on the other hand, he's super proud of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is anybody else in your family now eyeing the entrepreneurial path? No, everyone's everyone's doing well, so yeah. everyone's happy. Yeah, that's great. Good yeah. for you. Um, James, you had a question? No, no, just... Um... So, so this, look, what, I think there might be a good segue here to actually just throw up one of the brands um, because I know people are dying to see an example of... Um, where it is today and uh, this one's called carrion kids it's k-a-r-i-o-n kids.com.au this is a shopify website and this is your newest brand right it's only one year old it's it's the baby of the family that's right it's doing about 1.3 million so contextually your business is doing about 1.25 million a month overall um, this one is 1.3 million annually. So it's a small part of the portfolio. It's about
3: 10% of the business at the moment, yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's amazing, right? Because is there anything innovative? Like to me, this just looks like a stroller. Uh, yep. I don't have babies, so I don't know. But is yep. there anything that's super innovative about this product?
3: It is, it, I think if you scroll down, you can see a, a bit of a GIF, maybe not. Yep. Um, it folds up, there you go, it folds up really small. So right. it's for traveling, essentially. Um, we've got lots of parents saying, hey, I'm going away this Friday. Can you get it to me that quick? Um, so it's a, it's a thing that people see and think, wow, that's small. I want that for my holiday. Right. And
1: it comes in a nice bag. Comes in um, backpack, yep. Backpack. Okay, so you can throw it on your back. So it's the, it's the compact nature of it that is that's making right. it appealing.
3: And the ease in which it um, unfolds. And part of the reason we picked it is because of that. It looks really impressive when you have it in its small form factor and you sort of flick it and it folds out. Uh, and we thought, Hey, that looks cool. That lends itself to meta advertising with a cool video.
1: When you say, why do you say it lends itself to meta advertising with a cool video? Is it because it's so demonstrative, like very quickly in a Facebook ad, you can see what it does.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Even in a little GIF, a few seconds, you can see how, how quick that one there. Yeah. That's
0: that's and on there. You say meta also, is that because where the um, the audience is predominantly hanging out? new young mothers are on, on, on Facebook more so than Google? And Instagram. They,
3: yeah. This, and we have um, we have three websites in the baby maternity sort of space. And they do. They spend a lot of time and a lot of money on Facebook. On, on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah.
1: Yep. So you're so your advertising let's say this product, just straight up on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, they just click through and they're just buying it directly. What sort of ROAS do you get on a product like that? So return on ad spend for those who are not familiar.
3: This is one of our lowest. Um, It's probably only around a four, I suppose. Um, We've got some that are around eight, but this one's, the margins are a bit leaner on this website. Definitely not 30% here. But it's a very new product, right? Like yeah. as
1: you do you find that your margins improve as the brand becomes more established and word of mouth spreads about the product?
3: Yeah. And as you start ordering, you know, now we're on a full container load, so we're getting the goods a lot cheaper than we were when we when we started out? Yeah. So economies of scale come into it over
1: time. And so you might start off with 10 or 15% margin. And as you buy more quantity, as the brand becomes more well known then the margins change. Yep. Is that sort of been the journey for most of them or just for that one?
3: It has, um, but also just the economies of scale of already having our warehouse and our, and our teams. So right. we, uh, starting one website and starting a team and a warehouse, and it, it's, it's, there's a lot of work in that. Um, for us to bolt on a seventh website, there's a lot less work involved. So we could add websites that are you know, only semi-successful but not investing that much time into it, and still it's worth doing. Um, so you know we've we've got them integrated with our shipping software and our customer service software, so everything just flows through to the team that's already there. So it's it's um, the economies of scale of having multiple websites. I mean, you're doing this, Eric, at MX, right? You've got yeah. Fight Store now,
1: and you've got correct. Uh, uh, what are the what are the brands you got there? ATV. ATV, Auto Outlet, Moto Outlet, Fight Outlet, HQ, Fight HQ,
2: and MX, All leveraging the same infrastructure,
1: same staff base. Correct. And so for those watching, you can go and look those websites up. You, is it Fight Store? Fight, Fight HQ, HQ. Fight HQ, and they're all by the yeah, same.
2: ATV store. Yeah, it's same thing. The economies of scale go through the roof. You, you build this little engine, you know, and you just keep replicating it. A question I have for you is why did you go the route of your own warehouse versus a three PL—that that—that's a big decision, mm-hmm. and a lot of cost and time and effort.
1: Three PL third-party logistics yep. companies, guys. For those who don't know what that is, you can actually. There are people who just run warehouses and manage products for multiple businesses. My toilets are in a three PL, whereas Andrew has his own warehouse. So,
2: where did that desi- Yeah, when was
3: that decision made, and why? It probably. Um, I didn't understand it back then. I was in the bedroom to the garage and then I probably didn't know what a 3PL was, to be honest. Um, And we've just, it was just natural progression. We just leased a small warehouse that was near our house. Um, But looking back on it, it was probably a a great thing because we had full control over our products. If there was any issues, we could could deal with them in-house. I was watching a couple of weeks ago on the pod, young Eric had um, some mould issues with his fruit baskets and, you know, my heart broke for him having that sort of, issue when your product is in a 3PL uh, or Amazon warehouse if crushing um, we've had similar issues and, you know we just go to the warehouse we sort it out.
1: Yeah that's a very real thing and I hope the listeners don't miss what you just said there like for example what, what you're saying is when you have access and control to your own inventory uh, there are major advantages with that like for example I'm um, just about to sell the rights to my toilets into New Zealand. and I have the distribution for Australia and New Zealand. But one of the reasons I'm doing it is because to fulfill from our 3PL in Brisbane to New Zealand, we would get an order from New Zealand, we'd ship the toilet and then the New Zealand customs officers were sending it back when it hit the port saying there's a battery in there and it had to go back. So now I've got to go to my 3PL guys who just want to grab a product, stick a label on it and sell it and ship it guys, can you create a service where if we get an order from New Zealand, you open the box, you unscrew the plate on the back, you pull the battery out, and then you put the thing back in the box. If they don't want to know about that, understandably, because they are a fast-moving consumer warehouse, right? Um, whereas when it's your own factory, you could just have 10 of them set over by the side. That, that's already done. It's a 30-minute job for one guy or girl to do that- or an hour job. Uh, When I was on Amazon uh, and when I was seeing our students, Amazon is such a beast, they get three and a half thousand seller applications a day. Think about that for a minute. Three and a half thousand people a day applying to open a seller account. So what do you think their customer service is like towards sellers? They don't give a single Mm -hmm. shit, right? And so what happens because it's so big quite often the algorithm or an AI or whatever will suspect suspicious activity on your account and then just suspend your account. But you've got maybe 100,000. I have a student at that time, he was doing 25 million on Amazon. He had hundreds of thousands of dollars of inventory, maybe millions in inventory, and he got suspended by a bot and there's no phone number to call for Amazon. There's just an email that You send an email, you have to wait. You send another email and they get pissed off and you just gotta wait. And it could be a week, could be two weeks, could be a month. Mm -hmm. It took him, I think, three or four months to get his account reinstated um, by a company that was charging him for a fulfillment service that they weren't delivering on, that he didn't know why he'd been suspended and he had millions of dollars worth of stock just sitting there. If it was inventory financed, he'd be paying interest on the money while Amazon took their sweet time to do the to solve the problem, so that that's where the control is very powerful.
3: And, and it at the start, it was probably no, it was definitely more expensive to do it the way I did it than to use a three PL. Um, but I think as we got bigger, it's probably reversed, and it's probably cheaper now to do it the way we're doing it. Mm-hmm. For example, when we when we got our first warehouse, we were, everything was on the floor, so we were only using the floor space, not the vertical space. Um, but then as soon as you use up that space you need to buy a forklift you need to buy pallet racking you know these are costs that you wouldn't incur early on in a business if you were just using a 3pl so definitely some costs Uh, but now we also have our customer service team upstairs in an office in in the warehouse so they could get a question from a a customer saying you know what's this what's the dimension on this stroller from here to here some obscure question and they just have to walk downstairs take a measurement they've got the products they know exactly what the products are how to use them so it makes our customer service better as well, I think, to have all that in-house.
0: adds value to your business overall, too, if you're looking for an exit, if you get it all under one roof, like you're actually control of your own um, fulfilment um, under one roof as well, de-risk it somewhat. Just on that point, um, going back a few steps, you talked about testing on eBay. we talked had quite a discussion now about Amazon. Have you actually got your products listed on Amazon? And if so, what's the split of revenue out of the 15 mil? Um, what would be the, the split?
3: I, I find Amazon so difficult. I need to buy your course. and <laughs> I know a guy. Yeah. Um, no, we, we've recently listed things on Amazon just to sort of test the waters, but none of it's taking off. The, the return we got on our Shopify stores is far greater than what we're getting on wow. Amazon, so we don't really, really bother. We've got two or three products that are in FBA um, just because they're actually selling well, but um, and they were actually some of those initial 20 products. Uh, but no, we... The it, might be majority... wor-
1: it might be worth your time to get an Amazon expert around your business uh, to help you with that side of things because they are b- crashing it in Australia and I've seen your products with a little bit of effort I think you could probably pick up some good business there
3: this one the the is now on Amazon it's doing okay yeah
0: yeah, yeah. but you're still FBM still for, are you still it all yourself we do. Yeah, yeah and
3: yeah. and our rates when I looked at the FBA rates for mm. that stroller they're outrageous compared mm. to the rates we get we've got really good rates
1: yeah yeah yeah, Jeff is not known for being uh, shy on charging. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> charging bills—he's not the second richest man, or whatever he is
2: yeah. for no reason. How much money in
0: inventory do you have in the
3: warehouse? About two million at any one time. Two million at yep. any one
0: time—that's yeah. in warehouse. That's not production on water as well. What's what would be if you? If that before, would
3: include a shipment. So we get a we get a forty-foot container roughly monthly, and that would include what's on that container plus what's sitting in the warehouse.
0: And then you're in one in production as well at the same time.
3: That's right. Yep.
1: Right. Could you break down the rolls? Uh, my brain goes. You're managing a hundred SKUs with four staff. Now, to me, that that alone is mind blowing. So, who's like managing your supply chain for you? Is that you? Do you have somebody whose job it is to do that?
3: Yeah, I love a spreadsheet. So I've got a really good, you know, spreadsheet I created that has all the SKUs, all the reorder points. So I, I do do all that myself at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And I and I've got a warehouse manager who's brilliant. Um, and he he flags things like, hey this has really picked up this week, something's going on like this, there must be an ad going nuts or, you know, you might need to reorder this. So he's good at, you know, flagging things like that. But in terms of ordering, talking to suppliers, that's still all me.
1: So ordering, talking to suppliers, you, what else do you do on a day-to-day basis in your business
3: today? I obviously do the accounting. I do the books. I do the payroll. Um, But a lot of my time is spent thinking. I, I, I could spend eight hours at my desk, do three hours work and just... You know the rest of it. I don't know what I've done. I've just thought, and I'm a big, a big thinker, thinking about the net, what I can change, what I can do. Um, well, it's obviously working. But I don't. Uh, I'm not that, not that busy, I suppose, in the business. Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. And what are the other roles then? So you got a warehouse manager.
3: You got people in the warehouse. I've got uh, the warehouse manager does some pick packing as well if he has time. Um, then we have two other part time pick packers, and uh, three part time customer service.
1: Doing 15 million a year. Holy oh, yep. shit. <laughs> and then you've got an agency running your traffic.
3: Yeah, we do, yep.
1: Dude, you should, so, be, te- you should be teaching this because that's, a, that's an amazing um, efficiency. Well done, like really incredible result.
3: Well, I joked about working for government showing you how not to run a business, but I really think it's, it was a big part of it. There's so many inefficiencies yeah. in that space. So oh yeah, we're lean, we're definitely lean. Yeah, that's how, amazing. How do you
2: keep your team members incentivized? Obviously, you're now living in Brisbane, warehouses in Victoria.
3: Yep, Uh, I've been pretty bad. I haven't been back for, um, since well before Christmas. So my intention when I moved to Brisbane was go back monthly, Uh, it's it's not happening. So I've got to, I've really got to work on that. But um, my, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. No, no. They're they're looked after. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, We met your wife this morning when she came into the pod. How important a role has she played in your? Um, I, I mean, <laughs> probably a loaded question. No smart man is going to say no. <laughs> nothing. She does jack shit, mate. Like, but really, I, I, I kind of sense that she. A few comments that you made that she was really instrumental to. How important have you found that? As a, how old are you now? Uh, Thirty-three. Thirty-three. So you're married. You've got a young child. How how rock solid do you think your relationship has to be to bear that? And how and in what kind of ways has she supported you on that journey?
3: Yeah. Um, we've got two young children now we had one yeah. quite quickly after the first so it was it was all happening. Um, and that was a test. and we said it at the time in that first sort of two- year period, if we can get through this, we can get through anything um, because living together, working together, she she was in the business at the start as well. Um, it's incredibly difficult and you butt heads and you disagree, but um, she's been fantastic and and also you know, she took on in those early years. I was working really late into the night um, after my job, um, and she was, you know, a hundred percent looking after the children. So she was, um, she was, she was as busy, or if not busier, than I was at the time, um, and allowed me to do what I was doing. Is there any tips that you would have for
1: young parents listening to this? Like, were there any things that you did, or agreements that you made, or discussions that were had? that were helpful to sustaining, like getting through that as a couple and what kind of things do you do to maintain a healthy, respectful relationship?
3: I think just acknowledging that, you know, this is this is difficult and it's going to be difficult. I remember um, conversations we had, you know, she was saying things like, oh, look, you've only got a baby, you know, you're missing this period of time with your baby and I was saying things like, look, if this works as it's working for another couple of years, nothing else matters, we've just got to, you know, grit our teeth and, and get through this difficult period just acknowledging that starting a business is very hard it's Pay going to take, for counseling later yeah it's going to take a lot of time let's just get through this period and yeah it, if we can we'll get through anything
1: mm-hmm. no, that's good so your wife is a really instrumental part as well in her attitude and um, supportive
3: and and not only that it i was so set on climbing the corporate ladder that was my Right. That was what I was going to do. It was her idea. It was completely her idea to do this business. Mm. I was just focused on my next promotion. I wasn't thinking about starting a business. Mm. And also our biggest website, which accounts for about 40% of our revenue, her idea, and I didn't think it would work. So um, yeah, just having other people, having her there with um, a, a motherly sort of mindset and different ideas in these baby niches, um, which is a competitive niche like it's there's a lot going on in there there's a lot of sellers but she was the brains behind some of those big big websites men i want you to really listen up here
1: you know because when i ran reliable education with joe we used to hand out awards and um for different levels of achievement that people hit and 60 percent of the awards were won by women um even though we only had 45 percent of our community were women so there's less women but they won more awards and I really believe it's because women have a higher degree of empathy with the consumer. They really are better at observing from a usability. I'm a woman. I got two kids at my feet. I need this thing to work. Whether it's a baby thing or whether it's, whatever. They, they, they. I tread carefully in these politically correct times. But in, you know, they do have. They do quite often make a lot of the buying decisions for a home. Uh, any smart salesman knows: sell the wife, right? Like because so many of them ignore the wife and just sell to the man, and the wife goes, we're not doing that, and that's it. And it still operates that way uh, today in the world, because women actually do use the stuff and know, uh, you know and so on. So uh, men listening to this, um, I think all of us at the table, except James who's just new in a relationship at the moment, but for the rest of us who are committed married men, one of the secrets is to genuinely respect your partner and to listen and recognize the role they play i know you have enormous respect for what jen does in the yeah, home
2: i can do what i do without without jen. yeah and
1: i can That's hear it sure. and i could see it in the way that you guys interacted this morning there's a genuine respect between each other for the roles that you're playing in your family but listen to your wife because uh, a good partner is just so important uh to, the, the old sayings you know behind every good man is a better woman and all that stuff is true just or partnership, you know, just partnership in life I think is so important. I've learned that as I've gotten older. Um, you, you mentioned there just briefly, it's only been recently that you bought nice things. What have you bought? Have you oh, bought any nice things? You bought no, nice nice. your you car or anything? Yeah, a or, new
3: car, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. What'd you get? Uh, Defender. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Was that
2: the... Uh the question your wife was asking me for with the height, I heard yeah, something about Yeah, she was two point
0: three meters. Will it fit in Pacific Fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's <go. laughs> What was it? What was the, the drive to move from Victoria, where um, HQ is, to, to Brisbane?
3: Just the uh, well, the, it's been terrible weather the last few months here. But it was essentially the weather. I just got to a point where I wasn't required in the warehouse, but I was probably wasting a bit of time in the warehouse. Like mm-hmm. I'd be moving boxes and stuff, and I think I shouldn't be moving boxes in this warehouse. I should be looking at the bigger picture. Uh, so it's worked out quite well to remove myself deliberately from that so that I wasn't bogged down in that mm. day-to-day. Um, but yeah, but it's worked out. You know, we just wanted to be... My brother lives here. We, it's sort of a family decision as well. Mm. I think Dan Andrews was the best recruiter for Queensland in many, many years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it, was, it, was, it was the most locked-down city p- in the in the world, I think. It was insane. Otherwise,
0: yeah, yeah, I I mean, I, he's still walking.
3: I was in uh, the south of France not
1: long ago, and... Um, I was in a uh, transfer with some Americans and Americans knew who Dan Andrews was. They're yeah. like, oh, that Dan Andrews wow. taken
3: away human rights. You know, if I had a gun, <laughs> yeah.
1: it was nuts how famous
3: Melbourne was on a global yeah. scale. Just, so, just on France, before I forget, the, we were in France uh, six months ago and we actually saw one of our prams in a, in a park, one of our strollers. How oh, you cool. So yeah. that, was, yeah, that was a moment. It was like, wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's cool.
1: What have been some other moments in your journey? Like I noticed in the notes off camera, um, uh, I want to dive in a couple more questions about carrying kids in a second. But, um, you know, you have these moments in business. What was it like when you made your first sale? You know, yeah. and, and, and it, has there been any other moments? So the first sale is always a big one. First hundred grand month maybe, or the first time you yeah. made a million. What are what some of those milestones? Can you take us to those moments?
3: Yeah, the first sale, um, even though we lost, you know, 10, six, you know, you've lost a few dollars on it for sure. Um, we were dancing around the, you know, hugging, carrying on. I remember where we were. Uh, what was it? it? It was a camping stove. Um, and we, yeah, we would have lost $10 probably on it. A, a portable sort of camping stove.
1: Yeah. So, so your phone goes bing. Mm. Yep. Uh, there it is. How much was it? 30 bucks or something? Or?
3: Yeah, it could have been 39, something something like that.
1: 40 bucks. Yep. And you're dancing around. And and I, 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 the reason I asked the question is because, it is an absolute moon landing moment because your whole life you've worked for money, time for money. Yeah. And so you, you were going about your day and then I suspect your phone bings the eBay app it says you have $40. Yeah. You know. That is life-changing. Yeah, because, light bulb. Yeah, because yeah. most people live their whole life swapping time for money. And then there you are having this
3: light bulb moment. Who would have thought a few years later you'd be hitting 1.25 million a month? And I remember um, when we built our first few websites, I was absolutely addicted to um, you get a, I, I had a notification turned on when someone was visiting the website, not only you know not, not purchased from the website, and I'd be sitting there watching them go through the journey and I'd go, "Oh look, I was annoying my wife I'd say, "Oh well, look there, they're on the product page oh they've just added to the cart or oh, they're in the checkout, and then they'd leave and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, you know gutted about this." So I was hooked I remember for, you know, every visitor for the first few weeks, I was like really watching. Dude, I mean, look, I'm just
1: opening mine right now, and you know, I open it up, and exactly that, I can just see on here. Like, I've got two people on there right now, one from Melbourne, one from the Gold Coast. One's been there for twelve minutes, you I know. know, and I'm sitting there going, "Come on, you fucker, <laughs> 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 buy something," you know. And it's, it, 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 I still get a kick out of it to this day, um, as well. You know, it's that entrepreneurial drive you know yeah. and i love it I, my phone bings you know on sunday which i think we've only selling the toilets you know so we're not doing anywhere near your numbers but i think we did six or seven grand or something on sunday and you're sitting there with your partner and it goes bing two grand bing four grand you're like holy shit how cool yeah. this is it never gets old no yeah. matter where you get to right it doesn't yeah i it's suppose gig- now it. the notifications have to be turned off
2: you yeah, just drive everyone bonkers yeah. <laughs> how else yeah. are you celebrating your wins do you celebrate your wins enough do you feel
3: I don't and that's you know we touched on feeling a bit you know burned out and whatnot Um, I used to you know when I had a job I was thinking one day if I invest wisely and whatnot I'll be able to retire and do whatever I want and now I'm at a point where I uh, you know I can do I I could do whatever I want but if I if I go and play golf or if I have some time off I feel extremely guilty about not being at my desk especially with my team I know they're in the warehouse they're packing orders Um, so it's a yeah, you know it's a bit of a vicious cycle really you, you want to work hard to get free time but then when you have your free time you feel you feel like you shouldn't be i feel the same mate. yeah so i align with you a lot on that people? i think i think it's a I it's don't. almost like an entrepreneur's
2: <laughs> curse at times you know like wait, I, wait I, till you
1: hit 50 and everything starts hurting and you're yeah. just like you know what fuck this <laughs> i'm i'm good you guys get a bit more you know, time. i've always
2: had friends successful friends or you know, actually, a cousin of mine is quite successful, and he always used to tell me, "Just, just wait. As you get older, you want less things. You want to, You know, you want time, and yeah. you know." And I mean, I'm 40 now. I, I, I'm, I feel like I still have a lot of energy and and a lot more to give. But at the same time, it's hard to balance. You know, like again, you want time. You have options. You have that now, and you're in burnout. Like I'm looking at you, going, "You're earning." multi-millions a year in a business that you have eight employees, right? And you're in burnout, right? And, And then I think what you're saying that you're a thinker, right? And that's how I am. We overthink. And so how did you know you had burnout? What happened? How did you feel? Like, because a lot of people, when they're in something, don't realize, like if you're depressed, a lot of people don't realize you're depressed or if you're anxious, they don't know what's anxiety. So when did you feel burnout and how did you label that?
3: I don't know. It just sort of it sort of creeps up, I suppose. Um, I was just, and it may be, um, I was watching this podcast, not this podcast didn't get me down, but um, I just saw the networks you guys had and I think it really clicked like, hey, I never had a mentor. I never had a, I don't know anyone that does what I do. Um, it got to the point my, my wife stepped, stepped away from the business now and she's doing something she loves, which is great. Um, but it got to the point where I didn't have anyone that I could, um, I can still talk to my wife, obviously, but you know, get really into the details and, and get advice from. And um, I thought that's just missing. I need a network. And I mean, that's why essentially why I came in today. I wanted to meet you guys, I want to know people in this space um, to have to talk to. Yeah. I that's, think why,
1: I, that's why we do the coaching. I yeah. mean, that, because we hear that all the time. And like last weekend, we had 70 entrepreneurs on a boat, combined revenue excluding him of over 200 mil. And so you're not the only guy in the room. In fact, all the guys in the room are running businesses from, you know, 1 billion to maybe 20, 30 million a yeah. year and you build these relationships. And sometimes you might not do business together so so much, but you might end up investing and buying a building together, or you might just end up playing poker together. And you just, it's really hard being an island. That's the only thing when I look at your business, it's extraordinary what you've done, but it's also really hard because you don't have a co-founder either. It's just you, um, which is obviously really good and profitable. Uh, The great thing is if you do bring somebody in to help you now, um, you could hire somebody with a small piece of equity as opposed to giving away half when you start out yeah. with a co-founder. So you've got some really good options. Uh, yep. But that community is so important. And as I've gotten older, I've really realised it. And um, But you've got to go out and take steps to make it happen. But one of the, the reason we do the podcast is for the same reason, because we know we love this stuff and we love talking to people who love this stuff. And we've got a, an abundance now of a network and and just really just because we want to be around people and that's where you'll find the sustainability will help you with that
0: yeah and and at the moment as you said you're in right in the middle or on the way out of the burnout phase um so it's pretty hard to see in a forest from the trees but should you find solution to said burnout and you know this too shall pass as everyone else does um probably a harder question right now than most times to ask it but what, what's the vision for the six brands i mean you just like want to get out of burnout get contented or you want to double it down on these things like you said you sold a stroller in, in, in paris and you want to go international with it what's the bigger vision when you work out this current um constraint
3: well i think that's part of my problem i don't have i don't have a, a goal i'm you know it used to be if i could replace my salary and then it was oh, if i could make a million dollars and then, then it was oh, if i could do 10 million turnover and it just keeps shifting the goalposts mm. just keep changing and i get the sense that it doesn't matter how good it gets or how big it gets. I'm, I'm not going to be that content with it. I'm going to want it to be mm. bigger. So it's just feeling a bit, I don't know what the goal is. You know, I wish I had a goal and I wish I could get there and just stop and sure. say I'm happy now, but it's, I can see it's not going to happen. One of the things
1: entrepreneurs struggle with, and I'm often mentoring and counselling people informally on this, guys like yourself, when there's been such a rapid change in your cash flow, your net worth, like this business would have to be worth north of $20 million um, and you've created this asset in a relatively short period of time. So you went from an accountant on a salary to a net worth over multi eight figures, right? Um, that's a lot of change and our human internal dialogue, the way our human brain, it doesn't evolve that quickly so your external reality has changed dramatically but inside you're still Andrew the accountant Yep. in some degree. I bet you still go down to Woolies and look at the price of a can of baked beans and go oh unless you can go easy you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah. I, take, it, I do that right? I go yeah. down and go fuck you know honey let's get this one. It's like, <laughs> like you, you take the boy out of Queanbeyan but you
3: can't take Queanbeyan out well, of the Well you boy. check it's three minutes longer but there's no toll road and I go Oof. oh yeah you, you say there. You go what the $4? $4 yeah. Yeah yeah.
1: Say $4 because of the toll road yeah. and this stupid stuff. Mm. So it's you know, he's still looking at the price of fuel. My dad would always drive through five fuel stations till he found the one, you know, that was like before there was an app for that. So it does take a while to adjust. And I recently mentored a friend of mine who is, you know, just coming up to his 40th birthday. And I sat down with him and I said, dude, where are you at? Because we openly talk about net worth and he's, he's worth now uh, over $10 million. And most of that came in five years. And I said, let's just stop for a second pull out a bit of paper, and he's got $20 million worth of real estate. I said, his business makes a couple of million dollars a year profit. He's got $20 million of real estate under his feet, growing at conservatively 5% a year. I said, you're making a $1 million a year from this point on, and you're 40. Have you actually projected forward, like if you just do nothing from right now, where you are going to be? And when you actually sit down, you get a compounded just calculator out, and you do the accounting thing, you go... I I do it not to say stop, but to put your anxiety in check and to realize, hey, you're actually okay. For the first time in your life, you're probably okay. Mm -hmm. And that can be a big shift for a lot of entrepreneurs. And he came, we sat down on the weekend and caught up and he said, mate, that was really a big shift for me. And he he realized, holy shit, because you're so busy working and building that you haven't stopped to look up for the minute at the scoreboard and worked out what that actually means. And as I said, it doesn't mean stop. It just means give yourself a little credit, you know, and, uh, and a little peace of mind. Eric's probably guilty of this too, you know. Like, he works like he's broke, but he's certainly not broke, you know. Um, and so there's nothing wrong with just sort of um, taking... It just gives you a little bit of sustainability in your growth. Um, just my personal
3: two cents. Does that resonate at all with it you? It does, yeah. yeah. And we've um, we've doubled year on year since starting. Yeah. And I feel like there's a bit of pressure. Obviously, getting from 15 to 30 is going to be incredibly difficult. And maybe I'm feeling pressured in some way to keep that growth going, even though it's completely unsustainable.
1: And you know it's completely optional, right? Like I did a post yeah. on Instagram saying your
3: whole life is what you think it is. And what I
1: mean by that is we create our own stresses and realities and all that sort of stuff. So what would it be like if you just spent a year consolidating hmm. Would yep. that be okay with you? Yeah. If, but yeah. most people, it's like, whoa, that makes me nervous thinking about yeah. that. You know, because we're just so growth-oriented all the time. Like at the moment, my wife and I, we, we sold some real estate and took some money off the table and just put it into a boring passive investment where they pay us every month. And I just said, honey, there's, we should, it's better to be in real estate and it's better to have some leverage. I can pull the calculator out and show you right now, we would be better to take that cash and go and buy 10, 20 houses in Labrador, Put some leverage with it, but we both went. Let's just have a fucking year or two of no tenants, no stress. Let's just take the checks and go to Europe now and then. Just have a couple of years. I'm just worried I'm going to get addicted to it. (laughs) But there are times where you do need to just have a year of consolidating or a year of just slower growth or whatever. Just especially if you're on your own. Maybe Um, that's my thoughts.
2: Yeah, just. I'm such a big network and I love having people around me. So just hearing your story and just you and your wife doing this on your own with no mentorship, your your mentor basically was Google, right? Yeah. And YouTube. Yep. And I I think about that and that stresses me out thinking about that because I love surrounding myself with network and asking the questions and people, hence us, you know, creating unemployable. And it's it's so much more than just coaching, you know, like the connections. The, the um, you know, just that, that whole network of people coming together. People want to be connected. We're, like I say, we're the most connected we've ever been through, you know, digitally, but the most unconnected we've ever been in humanity and talking and face to face. People think just a text message is good now, right? So I think I just want to say thank you very much for, yeah, coming on, on the pod and being vulnerable and, and telling your story because I know it, was, it is a bit nerve wracking but I think this is probably a first step for you in building that network out Uh, because after a pod like this, you know, the relevance that that you will gain and the credibility from this organically, people are going to want to be surrounded by you and ask questions. And that's why, you know, we're creating this platform to do that for people like yourselves and telling your story because it's very inspirational.
1: I I think of people like Mari and Fernando down in Burley who are two of our clients that I think I'll introduce you guys, but that brazilian immigrants came here and they sell fly screens that go on vans you know like and they've just grown it to like three million bucks a year but i think you and your wife get on beautifully with them they're just the nicest people your age and just scaling this thing and there's there's people out there that 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 um will certainly help to connect you with no matter what because it's yeah you've got a lot to offer
3: and
2: yeah i mean i I, I can make
3: if I can meet one, yeah, person like that off this podcast, I'll be stoked. Yeah. yeah.
1: So if you're listening to this and um, and you are in a, you know, certainly over a million or two in sales, um, and you resonate with Andrew, um, uh, you know, reach out. You know, just reach out and, uh, and and you're looking for connection. You know, but we don't. But but I do want to say people over a million or two because we don't want Andrew inundated with people that are just. Um, you know, wanting to connect, but are still on the journey because you're a busy guy at this stage and you've got to earn your way into the rooms, right? Like it's, it's <laughs> that's, that's the reality. Work, work until you're invited is what I always say to people. I learned that from Cody Sanchez. She says, I don't want to be invited to some party where I don't fit because it's just weird, right? I want to work so that Andrew wants to meet me, right? Because he's at that level where, you know, where I'm at three, four, five million a year, and even though he's substantially more, I think you'd still have a meaningful discussion and have connection with somebody. Otherwise, it's just this weird interaction where there's not really, it's like with Eric, you know, um, you've got to be at a certain level. You guys should definitely get Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah that's amazing. But, yeah, so um, anything else, Andrew, you want to add for anybody listening at home who um, is maybe where you were at the start of this journey, what would be your parting words of advice uh,
3: to, to people listening who, who were where you and your wife were? Um, Probably understand financial statements. If you don't, Google it or talk to someone who does and, you know, take a punt. And if if you've got some money that you, you know, you can afford to lose. Uh, And reality is you probably won't lose it. I mean, worst case scenario, put that stuff on eBay. It's the wild west. You'll sell it. You'll get your money back. Um, Yeah, there's not much to lose. Have a crack. Mm.
1: Simple and sound advice. I really appreciate it. With that, I think that's the end of the pod. What a great session. Andrew, thank you again on behalf of us and all the listeners. Really appreciate you. If you are like Andrew out there um, and you wanna come on the pod, um, go to our website, hit us up, tell us your story. We're looking for stories like this, real people. We've got some really cool pods coming up. We've got a a couple of women scheduled actually coming up as well. If you're a woman listening to this or you know a woman that has built a great business, let us know. Uh, We find it really challenging to get women on the pod. We get requests for it all the time. And I I believe it's partly because women suffer from imposter syndrome more than men. Men will just bullshit their way into anything. Whereas (laughs) women, women tend to be like, oh no, there's nothing I could offer. You know, I'm doing $10 million a month, but I'm still like doubting myself. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And we're actually one of the women coming on She built a chain of uh, CrossFit gyms, but now she helps women through um, uh, these types of challenges. And uh, so that's gonna be a really interesting problem. In short, if you're listening, what Unemployable is striving to do here is to have real conversations with real entrepreneurs around the real issues of running their business. How many staff, how are you fulfilling it? Where are you getting your product? What are your margins? Those are the discussions we wanna have. We don't wanna talk about conceptual You know, what do you think are the principles to your success, Andrew? You know, like you can read that in a book anywhere, but a local uh, Aussie uh, entrepreneur to start with or Kiwi or whatever, that's who we want to talk to. That's there, the discussions we want to have and um, uh, reach out to us so that we can uh, have them on the show. And we'd love to get some big names on too, people who've hit some massive, massive goals, billionaires, 100 millionaires. We'd love to have you on as well. Give back you know, because uh, it will be rewarding for you in ways that you won't really understand until you come on the pod and read the comments from our followers. With that said, if you have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you're listening to it. Please tell your friends and drop a comment below for Andrew um, of what you learned from him, how this has uh, touched your life and affected you uh, so that we can get more great guests like this on. With that said, guys, that's it. Over and out for another week. And thank you for watching. Bye for now.
0: Ain't nothing about this is luck, boy. This ambition. Nothing gets in our way, we on a clear mission. We making plans, we just trying to lift society. Working so hard that we growing notoriety. And we born with the drive, yeah, it's society. Eric, Mark, and James, we giving game, they inspiring. Adam clear with the vision, it's so deployable. You do what you want when you live in life,
4: unemployable.